0: This is DJ Nocturna, and you're listening to the Queen of Wands. I'm speaking to music producer, musician, keyboardist, and punk legend Paul Rossler. Hello. Hi, Paul. Hi, it's DJ Nocturna. How are you? DJ Nocturna. <laughs> how are you doing? I'm good. You know, believe it or not, I still have your number on my phone from that interview I'm, we did back in, uh, God, a few years ago in K2H, A Feast of Friends. <laughs> it's been a while. How are you? You know, thank you I'm for I'm good. How, how are you doing? I'm good. Thank you so much for for doing this interview with me. It's been a, such a long time.
1: Well, I'm glad to do it. Yeah, what what when was that? What year was
0: that? Oh, gosh, you know, I, I, it was so long ago that I can't even remember the year exactly. Uh, <laughs> back. How have you been? Good, you know, still doing the same thing. Still playing the music I love and the music that we all love and Whenever I play a Nina Hoggins song, I think about you, <laughs> because Aww. I know you you, um, you were very much a big part of that, uh, her uh, debut solo studio album, you know, non- non-sex monk rock. As I, well as, I
1: did, yep, uh, yep. Yeah, yeah. I had a lot to do with her, with her gospel album, too. <laughs> I know, Which,
0: I, and you know what, I love that. One. Uh, is that the Return of the Mother? Uh, I did
1: plan that one, but no, she did a record of all gospel stuff in 2010. Oh yeah, yeah. Which was like she came to me and it was uh, and I was like, I don't really know what gospel music is <laughs> to be honest with you, uh-huh. but it's actually a big connection to to goth in a way. Um, wow. But uh, so I had to do a bunch of research and and uh, and uh, and it actually wound up being a really successful record for her, amazingly
0: you know especially especially in germany but a lot of people in america have never heard it oh you mean the personal jesus right and you did that one too yeah yeah that's Yeah. yeah. yeah i actually produced that and got all the musicians and it was really uh i i'm just bringing
1: it up because uh it was a really intense intense thing i had a lot of responsibility on my shoulders for that record but uh i survived (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I think I remember why the, you, you know, the interview that we did many years ago, I think it was because, um, um, I think I wanted to bring her to Hawaii, I think at one point. And then uh, Robbie, I think Robbie like hooked us up, you know, Robbie Quine from uh, Barbarilla Tones.
1: Yeah. Big, uh-huh. big
0: big shout out to him. And he's the one that actually said, hey, Paul is a, has a new record out. And he was telling me about, you know, just last week or the week ago. Big shout out to my dear <laughs>
1: Robbie, who who abandoned us
0: and moved moved Maui. I know, uh, I, 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 I I forgot he even lived there. I know. I
1: visited him uh, about about five years ago. I I saw him out there, and he gave uh, he gave my wife a surfing lesson.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, I know. That's what he said. He said he's a surf instructor, and I'm like, really? Wow. Yeah, and I'm like, wow! I didn't even know you still live there because I, I, I met him at the Wave, you know, many years ago when he played at the wow. Wave when the Wave was still one of these major nightclubs here, like big legendary um, nightclub. And uh, yeah, that's how uh, we all we all somehow connected somehow, right? We all have this little connection. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, well, yeah and we actually
1: we actually lived together in a big uh, a big compound up in Malibu where we had a studio, and he was sort of booking the studio and
0: we were I recorded I think I think I recorded eight albums with him <laughs> yeah the the Barbarella tones right yeah yeah, yeah. wow well, I mean he, he's constantly making music and so are you yeah. Well, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about you know uh, about your you know your history because you know you're a big part of the LA punk scene back in the 70s and 80s it's and, true uh,
1: I don't know how big a part of it I, I was but I was definitely there for uh I've been here for the whole thing, kinda. Yes.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you you were in several bands: the Screamers, Forty Five Graves, you know, Nervous Gender, uh, Josie Cotton, um, the mm-hmm. Deadbeats. Who else? Giza X and the uh, the Mommy yeah, Man. G- yeah, Giza, Mommy Man and my own band, Twisted Roots. Twisted Roots with your sister, <laughs> right? You, now you, oh. your your sister a musician too. Oh yeah, Kira, she's the famous one. Yeah, she's from- the successful one (laughs) yeah i mean you you come from a family of of, uh, musicians right i mean so your sister is a musician well i I know your dad is he's not a musician but he's also like very innovative yeah he did that. he
1: he was an underwater photographer and and now my kids are have a band um called IGAF sequoia that's kind of in the folk punk scene and they're they're pretty awesome as well so i I guess so. My dad was, me and Kara were the f- first musicians in the family, but now my kids seem to be carrying it on.
0: Oh, that's good. A, how, how many how many kids are in the it's in a band? It's actually my son and his uh, his wife are in the band. Oh, wow, that's awesome.
1: <laughs> my other son lives in Maui, and he's the he's like a computer programmer, and oh. he lives
0: out. There. <laughs>
1: yeah. So
0: he, does he hang out with Robbie? <laughs>
1: He doesn't, you know, because I think Robbie's up in Lahaina, and oh, okay, uh, okay. Alex is down at the other, at the uh, kind of at the other end. Not he's not uh, He's actually he got a new house. I haven't seen his new place. He was kind of like on the edge of the volcano up there, you know. But uh, I don't know exactly where his new place is. He was in Kuala Poly, Wait, am I saying that right?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was the reason you went up there to visit him then, when you were there. I
1: did. I, I did go up to see Alex, and I bumped into, and we've checked out Robbie. But, yeah, Rob, it seems like, to me, Maui's such a little island. But I guess if you're up in Lahaina, it's kind of like a trek down to the other side. You kind of just... Oh, yeah, it's, yeah. It's,
0: yeah. It's a great I, place. It's, it's a beautiful, beautiful island. You know, just like all, all the islands, I think, are beautiful. Where, where are you? I, I'm in Honolulu. Oh, okay. I've, I've never, have you been here? Oh. I've never been to Honolulu. Well, it's a little bit more modern, you know, city more city. Yeah, yeah. Maui's uh,
1: kind of Maui's kind of the rednecks, the sticks. Yeah, and very touristy. Mm-hmm. But I, I love it. I love all those. Those are every time I'm there, I start
0: thinking about like, how can I move here? But then I realize, oh, i
1: probably <laughs> probably
0: not really cut out for island life. Yeah. Well, you, you you can definitely make a lot of music, you know, because you won't be bothered. You just have your privacy. <laughs> <It's laughs> like really? Yeah. It's true. You know, but um, I I know you're classically trained. You're a classically trained musician. So how did you get into the the, the genre that you've been doing? You know, from well,
1: you know, I was I was taking uh, classical piano lessons from the time I was about eight years old, and I was, you know, in 1975, 76, 77, the early seventies. There was all this great music, but like right around like 1976, it just got really. Bad. I mean, mm-hmm. it seemed to me like all my favorite bands put out a bunch of bad records, and it just, I, I, I mean, I'm sure there was good good records happening, but I just, I wasn't aware of it. Like, I wasn't really aware of the New York Dolls, and I mm-hmm. wasn't really aware of Roxy Music, and even some of those bands had sort of passed their peak, so it got really bad, and I just, I just quit rock music. I was just going to study classical piano, which was probably a mistake, because I was never going to be very good at it. But, um... But I had some friends that I went to high school, and they started a punk band, and they tried to turn me on to it. This was like 1976, uh-huh. and they started a band called The Germs, and of course. they tried to they tried to turn me on to punk rock. They played me The Ramones, and they played me Blondie, and I was like, no, I, mm-hmm. this is not... I don't like this music, and I, I still don't like it that much, mm-hmm. um, But um, but then they said, well, we're playing a show. Why don't you come see us play? And so I went and saw, and the Germs and the Deadbeats played together, and man, mm-hmm. all of a sudden I just knew that rock music was back, you know, because the Deadbeats were this incredible band. They were kind of like, like one of my favorite. I was really coming from the Prague Prague scene, like yeah. Yes and yeah. Death Row Tall and Emerson Lake and Palmer and King Crimson and bands like that. Yeah, yeah. And um, and, and Bowie, and then. Um, and and Frank Zappa and the Deadbeats mm-hmm. were kind of like that. They were like really advanced musically, but the Germs were a whole other thing. The Germs were kind of like, mm-hmm. like we we're playing music, but really what we're doing is more important than playing music. We are heralding the dawn of the new day or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, what I always say about the early Germs shows what I saw was. Like, I think the Germs album is great, and I love their songs. But when they first started, they weren't. that wasn't really about that. It was like, it was what was going on in between the songs mm-hmm. that was incredible, you know? And like, they, yeah. it used to be, it used to be, you pay a bunch of money, you go to a big rock concert, there'd be a whole bunch of, like, 10,000 people in this big room, and the band would come on stage, and lights would be in your eyes, and it was all right, you know? Mm-hmm. But to go to the Germs, like, to see it at a small club, and it was just, it was just like a riot. It was kind of like, yeah. give me a beer, trash the, trash this club. I mean, it mm-hmm. just was something totally different, you know, that I had never experienced before. And mm-hmm. so I, not only, you know, I saw the deadbeats, and I saw there's a place for me at all my training and all that in the music, but there's also something extra here that I never understood at all,
0: you know? Mm-hmm. Something very modern so do do you miss those times? Uh, no, I mean, yeah. you know
1: i'm I'm doing a new thing now. I mean, yeah, the old time back then, probably all I wanted in life was to have my own recording studio and be able to make music all the time. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that going to clubs, I mean, I was eighteen, nineteen years old, going to clubs was kind of fun for about a year or two, and it was fun to be in some of those bands, like, yeah. playing in the Screamers was one of the greatest live bands I've ever played with and playing in Nina oh, yeah. Hagen was, it was really thrilling but um, I mean I have my own recording studio and I record bands all day and that's kind of mm-hmm. probably what I was always wanted you know more than anything was to make records
0: So uh, how did you how did you hook up with um, you know how did you get involved with Nina Hagen and, and the band
1: Well the Screamers had broken up and I was playing with a bunch of of well the screamers yeah I guess the screamers had just broken up and I was playing with some of those other bands like um, Nervous Gender and uh, Gaza and some of those bands but I was kind of in, in between things and Nina came to town it was her first time in America and she wanted to put together yeah. an American band and she um, she met some guy a friend of mine at the time named Scott and Scott said, oh, you, you got to get Paul from The Screamers. you got to get Paul from The Screamers. He's going to be perfect for your band. So she went on Rodney's show and said, I am looking for Paul from The Screamers. And then everybody, <laughs> everybody's Aww. calling me like, dude, Nina Hogg is trying to find you. <laughs> and, um, and she came over to my house, and uh, and uh, I had been having nervous gender practice in my house. So my, my whole living room was just stacked with, like, synthesizers.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. And, and she so, was, and, and this was like around nineteen eighty, 1980, nineteen eighty two or nineteen eighty one, something like that. It was, it was nineteen eighty.
1: Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, it was nineteen eighty when she first came. So, um, she saw that um, probably like the the spring, like probably in March or April or something like that. March or April of of, of nineteen eighty, Darby was still alive, and um, the Germs had broken up, but they were he was in the Darby Crash Band. Mm-hmm. So. Um, she just saw all these synthesizers in my house. She didn't even ask me to play. She just figured I knew what I was doing. And we went to New York and put the band together and toured.
0: Oh, and yeah, the tour. We,
1: we, yeah, we did a big tour in 1980, like right away, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. And and, and this was before the, the album "Nun sex Monk Rock, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we were playing a
1: bunch of the songs from that tour. We were playing... I wrote Anti-Worlds for her. Yeah, and
0: th- I love that song. Well, that's one of my favorite songs. I play all the time from that album. <laughs> oh, so
1: cool! And then, yeah, I, we- I,
0: and I always mention that you about that you you wrote that song
1: because
0: <laughs> well, that's what yeah. I. I mean, we talked about that during the interview that last time.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just had this little thing, and she, you know, she. I think she took a poem by some Russian poet and fit it to it. But uh, yeah, we were playing Smack Jack, and we were playing. Um, Red Love and a bunch of those songs that wound up on the record um, live. And of course the, the crowds had never heard any of them and all they mm-hmm. want to hear is old hits. But uh Nina always had a way of doing exactly what she wanted and people would either love her or hate her. It's it was amazing. Like she's had so many careers and she's 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 pissed everybody off and then she's won them <laughs> back. And then she's pissed them off and she's oh, won I them see back. See. And you know what? She deserves a lot of respect for that because she does not do what she thinks is going to be the next big thing she just is totally
0: from her instincts mm-hmm. uh, she, she's an amazing i mean she's she's one of a kind definitely she, I, I, i've always the, I, I mean i saw her in san francisco like more recently when she went up there like 2004 or something like that i, I can't even yeah. remember it was something I was like probably, that I was, I was probably in that band at that uh-huh. time oh yeah um yes yeah. i forget the name of that venue um I think it was a DNA club. Yeah, that's where it was. Yeah,
1: I, re- I actually remember that show. We were playing with, um, with uh, what's her name, um, yeah, The Balls. The... Yeah,
0: yeah. I, what I, was that girl's I, name? She was amazing. Uh, anyway, yeah, yeah. That, was a, that was a fun night. <laughs> and then you also did Return of the Mother and the Personal Jesus, right, That the Depeche Mode uh, cover. Uh-huh. And that one, you produced that album? The Personal Jesus album, yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. wow. That's awesome. And then um, and I, I, I love the Return of the Mother. I, I think that's a great cool. album. I, I,
1: I, that is awesome because I didn't see her for about 15 years. And then she came back and she tracked me down and we put together a band again. We were touring Europe and we were doing all that Return of the Mother stuff, which I think is really, really cool, interesting music. And then uh, in the middle of the tour, we just stopped at uh, a studio, Connie Plunk studio, and, and recorded that album. Uh, yeah, that was... Uh, I, I don't think it, that many people know about that record, but I thought it was a really cool record. There's a lot of really trippy stuff on there.
0: I know, yeah. Yeah. So now you're, you have a new album. I know you have the 12 Steppers and Dead Junkies. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, you know, that's so thrilling that you... Right?
1: So this is what I've noticed about myself the other day. It seems to me that I put out records about, like... 10 20 30 40 years after i make them you uh, know I, I was gonna ask you about that i was gonna ask well, you about, yeah go. well i don't have i mean so i i wrote the arc which is like a, a prog piece when i was 16 and it took me 40 years to record it i figured nobody would ever want to listen to prog again but i was like you know i wrote this thing i'm going to try to record it and then when i made it I just went on Facebook and I said, hey, does any record companies want to put this out? And someone was like, yeah. So, um, Mm -hmm. so uh, then when the pandemic happened, I have all these like records that I recorded and I got to tell you, my records are very super important to me. They're really important to me. Um, But, um, so it's not that I, they weren't important to me that they were not released. I just hadn't really um, found the right. You weren't ready. Yeah, I just hadn't finished them and put them out. So, the pandemic i had a little bit of time oh, and i yeah, put yeah. together <laughs> i put yeah. together a record called um match girl and i put that out mm-hmm. 12 steppers and dead junkies is actually stuff i did in the 90s and it's really cool that you picked up on it and i'm not really i'm just putting these things up on band camp right now you know i'm not mm-hmm. making too big a mm-hmm. deal of it because um because uh there's a lot of it like Twelve Steppers and Dead Junkies is a double album, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. And, then, and these were songs you did, you you wrote back in nineteen ninety three, right during the, during that time. I did, and I've kind of been working on them a little bit ever since, uh-huh. to be
1: honest with wow. you. So it's not like this is a time capsule. I have been trying to like make them better because a lot of them started out in my garage; they were kind of like demos I made. Mm-hmm. And then when I got my own studio, I tried to like. Um, to get them better. But sometimes demos are hard to improve on, you know? Yeah. So, um, but there's a lot of this stuff. 12 Steps to the Junkies is a double album and there's actually four double albums. So uh-huh. I, I feel bad because, um, I feel like nobody, it's like an awful lot of stuff. So I'm just putting it on Bandcamp, so that if people want to check out this stuff, but I got to say, I'm, as I'm working on it, I'm like, damn, man, I was like, I, I'm, I wasn't very inspired at that time, you know?
0: Well, you know I, I i like a I like a couple of songs there uh, in particular. I've been listening to it. You know, Lilith for one. Uh, oh I was, yeah. I was going to ask you about that. It's, a, it's, a, it's a, kind of like a ballad, right?
1: It's a really super, I, you know. That was I got just really, really mad at this person. I I didn't like <laughs> the way she. Was. Um, <laughs> and and I just it's very short. It's like only a minute and a half, and it's basically just like you are. A okay. <laughs> <laughs> and um. <laughs> And that's it, and it was said in a very short, direct way, and, um, but yes, I I think that song is is sad, yeah, I'm glad you picked that one out. I listen to that stuff, it's weird when you listen to stuff that came out of a person that I was, I mean, back then, I was a drug addict, you know, Uh I was very different than I am now, you know, and I was really, you know, in 1983, the, the internet hadn't really happened, and... The screamers had kind of been forgotten, and I felt like a lot of the stuff I had done was rediscovered with the internet later, you know? Yeah. So, 93, 94, 95, I was, like, I was very isolated, but the music didn't stop, because that was almost what I did. So, I listened to that stuff, and it's it's really intense to me, you know? I, mm-hmm. I'm I'm really, I'm really proud of it. And it doesn't feel super old it
0: it doesn't feel like it, no, feels it, like no, it a doesn't yeah it doesn't I, li- I like it actually i was gonna ask you who did the album cover also
1: oh i paid that's a painting i did right around at that same time uh-huh. and then my friend cherish kind of laid it out like that but yeah I, I i was i was painting a little bit at that time and then i i gave up i decided you oh, know so that I, was your painting yeah oh that's cool wow oh, thanks Wow. Yeah, I painted for a while and I thought, man, I can't even get I can't even get my sh- my shit together with music. Yeah. I, I've been a j I have been I should just concentrate on music and try to learn how to do that. But I have some paintings from that time, so the four the four records I'm gonna put out are um, gonna have my paintings.
0: Oh, that's good. And then the you know, the album The Ark that was released in twenty twelve. That one yeah. that one also was written back in the in the seventies, right? This one's a little bit older, right? And it's um you know,
1: it's it was recorded in 2012, but it was written when I was like just a
0: kid. Yeah. Yeah. And and this is like a, this album is kind of like a rock op- rock opera album. I mean, kind of, not yeah. even kind of, it's totally,
1: if, if there's anything that, and I'm, I'm really proud of that because I was only a kid when I wrote that. I, but if there's anything that about that record, it is so totally a prog record. It is like, yeah, yeah, progressive rock. You yeah. Know, I mean, it's, it's not. It's, I like Yeah. I, mean, I, <laughs> uh, I mean, it's it's really like. Um, I mean, punk
0: rock hadn't even happened when I when I wrote that. Yeah. I mean, what are some of your who who are some of your inspirational um, progressive rock bands that you like?
1: Well, I would say with the Arc. So, all right. So I'm like not a person that um, that listens to a million bands. I like kind of listen to like. Like, I do, like, a little skimming over the top, right? Mm-hmm. So, the, the like, some people would talk about prog music, and they would talk about a bunch of bands like Khan and Amon Duel, like, the cool prog bands. <laughs> I was just a kid. I liked the, the, the commercial prog bands, which were Jethro mm-hmm. tall Yes, you know, mm-hmm. I guess Pink Pink Floyd is a little proggy. Yeah. Uh, you know, I... Um, uh, Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, because I was a keyboard player, which a lot of that stuff maybe doesn't stand up to people now. They listen to it, and they're like, this is really cheesy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I I will say when I re-recorded it, when I started recording it in 2012, what I did do was I wanted to make it a little less cheesy. And so some of the ways I was able to do that was I started thinking like, well, what if you had a band like Yes or Jeff Tull, but Trent Reznor was producing it, you know? If you were producing uh-huh. it with, like, modern... So I kind of was trying to... I was thinking like that, like, maybe I could make it not sound so... As I work with some prog artists now. I wow. work with a guy, Fido, who is really great, and I work with... I just did an album with a band called um, Kesem, and they're, they're prog, but they're kind of like... Mm-hmm. Like, Fido really... His, like, prog albums really sound like almost 70s prog albums.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I like those. You know,
1: yeah, I <laughs> yeah. mean, Fido's great. If people want to look him up, it's spelled P-H-I-D-E-A-U-X. Mm-hmm. Like, Fido, like French. But right. um, he's amazing. But I, I didn't want to... And plus, the other thing is he has a band. Like, I did everything myself, so I programmed all the drums. And so there was no way it was going to sound like... A band, anyway, really, you know, it wasn't gonna sound. So yeah, it's I played everything on that record actually.
0: Wow, and then and then you have it. You had another album that came out, and you actually did a cover that I I I listened to. The album Six, I don't know, I don't know how to pronounce it. Six Twelve, is that Six Twelve? Yeah. So you did a cover of the of a Radiohead song, really well. I like it Uh a lot.
1: Man, I mean, you know, I like do this stuff and it's really nice to run into somebody who's actually like picked up on a few things that have happened, you know. Like I thought six twelve was cool. Like when I recorded the ARC, that took like six months and like a thousand hours, you know. It was like mm-hmm. a really big project. And then um Six Twelve I just did like basically a song a day, you uh-huh. know, in one month. Six twelve is June two thousand twelve. Like I had done I'd spent so much time. Oh, on that's the what arc. it
0: means. Okay
1: yeah I just wanted to do it like a record really fast
0: mm-hmm.
1: and um and plus, I was like breaking up with my girlfriend, so I was like uh, I sometimes being like in a really calmed f- out state of mind makes yeah. you f like it's urgent like it was urgent to me to do that record uh-huh yeah 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 <laughs> and, and the radio I'd cover is um. I mean, I was gonna like put instruments on it, but it just felt finished with just a piano and my voice. So I just. No,
0: it, look, it sounds great. Yeah, I like it. I like it. I mean, I, I've always liked that song to begin with, but um, you you added you added you made it just as beautiful as it is the, as the original. Yeah.
1: It's a it's a stunning song. I mean, if <laughs> sometimes people say, I think someone said on Facebook the other day, they was like, "What song could you listen to over and over? What song gets you every single time you hear it?" Mm-hmm. I gotta say, that song, I don't know why. There's something about that song that just every time I freaking hear it, it's like, yeah. It's a, it's a badass
0: song. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Well, you know, if somebody wanted to find out about your music, you know, check out your, you have a Bandcamp page also.
1: Yeah, I'm just, I mean, I, Bandcamp doesn't work for some people. Um, there is some stuff that, um, there's an album I did last year called Match Girl that, that actually got on the platforms, but uh, I'm like trying to use Bandcamp. I don't know if everybody can like even download, but I'm um, I'm trying to like sort of all these years and years of stuff that I have. I'm trying to collect it there for starters, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm gradually getting everything on that Bandcamp, just to, and then I'll probably put out. I've been working on a new album that's actually not stuff from 20 years ago. Oh, okay. And um, that'll happen. That'll probably
0: happen next year. Well, actually, and but uh, I don't do, know. Do, do you have Do you have a name for that that album? I the, think it's going to be called "The Turning of the Bright World." Oh, okay, okay. So are are these so, songs that you're writing right now? That's going to be yeah. That these are songs I've been working
1: on over the last four or five years. So these are like more okay. more recent stuff. I know it's weird. And I was really thinking about that the other day, and I'm just like other people they make a record and they put it out and I'm like I'm jealous of them apparently I'm going to put out all my records like
0: you know like before before I die hopefully <laughs> <laughs> well yeah, so it's it's obvious you've been writing you know constantly through through the years right so you kept all this it's a good thing you kept all of them
1: yeah it's uh, that's one thing I would advise people is uh don't lose anything, you know? Yeah. Because we're not the best judges of what we do. And sure. um, and sometimes we'll, like, like uh, like every song I've ever worked on, at some point in the middle of the song, I thought, well, this is a failure. This isn't going to work. I'm, I'm just not going to be able to pull this off. And then, like, luckily, there's another part of me that just says, well, I'll just finish it up, you know, and then I'll go on to the next song. So a lot of these songs, it's like, that's just the process, man. It's like you, you've got this thing in your head that tells you, ah, this is no good, and mm-hmm. you know, so that's not your job to decide whether it's good or not. That let somebody else decide that. Your job is just to make it.
0: Yeah. So th- your Bandcamp is is it Paul onebandcampcom One dot Bandcamp dot com? Is that the is that the page? Is there a, yep. is there a one?
1: I guess so. Yeah. Okay. I, up, I, yeah.
0: I I can double check. But I think it's uh Paul Rossler, so that's Paul and then yeah. Rossler R O E S S L E R one, the number one dot bandcamp dot com. Or they can they can just look up Paul Rossler and they'll find it. Yeah, yeah. And then you also have a, a website, Paul Rosler dot com. I do, and I have a I also have a um I also have a,
1: a SoundCloud that okay. I I've got stuff on there too, so Uh, yeah. Um, I'm, and you know, most of the stuff I put up there is like pay whatever you want. Yeah. Because, um, I don't know why. Because (laughs) I don't mind people paying money, but, um, uh, it's, uh, I feel like the world is, yeah. You know, music is kind of free now, it's kind of crazy.
0: I know, but yeah. you know, for, an, for an artist that works really hard and have a talent, and you know, it's a, it's, it's a, you know, passion. I think you know, people need to actually, you know, you know, pay well, let for me, music. <laughs> you know, well,
1: and, yeah. tell you what I think. I don't mind music being free, mm-hmm. but I feel like, and food should also be free, and my rent should also be free. Yeah, exactly. You yeah, know, and my transportation should be free, like. But you know, it's weird. The technology has made it so that the music got free first. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's it's strange. But you know, but uh, yeah, I know. It's it's. Uh, yeah, I'm in a situation where um, my 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 job is um, working in a recording studio and making making records for myself, but also for a lot of other people. So I um, I'm not trying to like uh, get the next big hit song or anything. I just want. I just want people to know what I've done and hopefully touch people, you know, like a few people to hear it and go, you know, like you said for Lilith, mm-hmm. right, something about that song you felt in some part of you that um where you responded to that song, and uh well that I, mean- I,
0: I thought I thought it was like um you know I thought it was based after uh the you know the asteroid goddess, you know because huh. because you you did mention goddess in the in the lyrics, I think right i think well, we, yeah. lilith
1: lilith is actually originally a demon it's a female demon yeah, yeah, so, mm-hmm. yeah it's a, so um yeah.
0: and and but lilith is with with um, she was the astro- she was the, the the you know the wife of, of adam before eve came along oh you know? wow yeah so, so yeah, yeah she has actually
1: lilith has been re- rehabilitated as not an evil spirit mm-hmm. but but when I first when I first heard of her when I wrote of her she was pretty much of an evil spirit, oh. and so I was like talking about this person. It's like, <laughs> uh-huh.
0: you know, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <It's a> song, <laughs> and um, we're looking forward to the new album that's coming out next year.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we have actually my studio is called Kitten Robot Studios, and we have now. Sort of started a record company, a little label called Kitten Robot Records. Oh, okay. and well, label, what, what,
0: what kind of genre? Well, a couple of different
1: ones. We've got, um, you know, Josie Cotton is my partner, so all the Josie Cotton stuff is going to be is on coming out on Kitten Robot. But then we've we've found a, um, some people that come through the studio that that. Hmm, Become close to my heart. There's a there's an artist named Harry Cloud, mm-hmm. and there was an artist uh, named Heather Galipo that we put out. She put out under the name Crow Jane, mm-hmm. which is uh, a really cool record. And then uh, we're doing a Mark Lanigan thing.
0: That's oh coming really? Out. Oh wow! Is it Mark Lanigan?
1: Wow. It's a it's called Dark Mark, and it's it's him and the guy from the Icarus Line, which is they're doing more sort of like almost like Cynthia thing, which is uh, and it's with a book, and then. Oh. uh who who else oh there's this band that I record in here called tombstones in the Rise, which is kind of like a i guess it's like a sort of psych like psych um shoegazer in a way but uh oh yeah I would love to hear this stuff
0: so what is it what is a record label called
1: it's called Kitten robot record Kit and and there's a website there's a website there too that uh and you know kitten robot studios if you if you go to um if you go to Kitten Robot Studios on um, Facebook, I kind of post all the different bands that I've been working on, you know, as they put out their videos and their records.
0: Okay, I'll I'll go check check that out on Facebook.
1: Yeah, Kitten Robot. If you Kitten Robot will lead you to like kind of all the stuff that I'm like working on now. So, Kitten Robot will probably uh, apparently put out um, put out my record next year. I told them I have a record with my sister Kira. I told oh. them they should put, put out Kira's record first um, because yeah, yeah. Kira's a legend.
0: But, uh. Well, what is the I, record called? Uh, what's Kira's records called? Uh, you know, Kira's funny. Kira
1: and I have been making recordings uh, of her music for like the last five, ten years. And then every once in a while I go, Kira, are you going to put this stuff out? And she's like, why would I do that? And I'm like, <laughs> well, because you made it and because it's kind of awesome. So I had to. I then I, when we got the label, I kind of went to her and I was like, "Well, Kira, what, what do you think about putting this out on a on a label?" And she sort of finally started going, "Well," mm-hmm. and you know, partly it's because it's so different from Black Flag. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. not like it's yeah. not like Black Flag. It's more like Ghost if anything. You know. Uh huh. Oh. Wow. You know that band, the band she had with Mike Watt.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that's okay. yeah she should put it out for sure. I I think we're twisting her arm, and
1: <laughs> so yeah, she she may be on there. We may get her record out. There may be two roster albums out on Kitten Robot next year.
0: Oh, okay, <laughs> we're, we're we're looking forward to that.
1: Oh, thank you. Well, you're very kind.
0: Oh no, well thank you, Paul. I I really appreciate uh, the interview. You know, hopefully we'll get you back on that when you get your, when that album comes out next year.
1: Absolutely, man. Give me, <laughs> give
0: me a call. You, you got my number on your phone. <laughs> I do. <laughs> so funny. Uh, I know your name popped up, too, right when I was dialing it. I'm like, oh, wow, okay, the number's there. <laughs> so I didn't have to. Great. I know. So You never change your number, right, through the years.
1: <laughs> well, listen, you know, keep up the good work because people like you and me, we like, people like me, we like labor on our, our work and it's people like you that tell people about us because people like me don't spend a lot of time getting the word out. And people know. like yeah. means well, so it means so much to us that that you um, that you help us like in that way. No, really well,
0: thank you. Well, I appreciate the music and I, the passion and uh, the connection. and you know, i I mean, where would we be without music that we love, right? So yeah. I, I thank you for you guys for bringing this awesome. Awesome. And, well, we'll talk soon. okay, well, thank you. And I you yep. know keep keep, keep rocking. <laughs> we'll do it. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you.